Hey guys, welcome into the BSN Broncos podcast. Before we jump in, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. What you'll see is that this CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. It's helped the Broncos win football games. Well, maybe not. But it's a CBD, all-natural, non-psychoactive coffee, and it's rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and they'll ship it straight to your door. Let's hop into the show. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, and if you haven't heard enough about CBD yet, i got to tell you about Elixinol. Elixinol is endorsed by former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer. His biggest or favorite product from them uh, is the Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever that's just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. And I am having a clear-minded morning, Zach, because I put five little pumps of CBD in my uh, in my morning protein shake. There you go. That morning protein shake. Everything's right on this morning. It is. And we have some news as it relates to the Broncos' ownership situation. And so to discuss that, we're going to bring in our legal experts, the wonderful uh, trio of Anderson, Hemet, and Levine. Welcome into the show, guys. Not Frank Diazar or, or what? Oh, yeah, we also have the strong arm <laughs> sitting in on the panel. And, uh, of course, we also have David Sawaya of the Sawaya Law Firm. All of them can be found on TV. Yeah, not on this podcast. So let's go to our legal expert, Zach Stevens. Well, some news last night, like you said, from Roger Goodell. Breaking the news that the NFL has started the arbitration process on the Broncos' ownership dispute. And Ryan, this has been going on for 30 to 45 days. So what does this mean? Well, there's two things that are going on. There's one dispute going on in the courts, the lawsuit that Bill Bolin filed. Um, that is, uh, that's in the courts on whether the trustees are acting in bad faith and following the trust's plan. So that's in the courts, and that's being taken care of. It's already been assigned a judge, so that's in, that's in its process. And then the second part of, of the entire ownership debate is now being handled by the NFL arbitration. Uh, Beth Bolin, Bill Bolin, they didn't want this to be handled by the NFL arbitration. The trust in the Broncos did uh, because the NFL, they believe that that is the best route for them finding success. So what does this mean? It means that the NFL has started an investigation. They're looking into this, and Roger Goodell could have appointed himself to lead this, but instead he chose Carmen Policy. Fake name. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a crazy name. It, it seems perfect for an arbitration thing, doesn't it? It sounds like some sort of war crime. <laughs> you committed the Carmen Policy. <laughs> right. Uh, you violated the Carmen Policy. It's so true. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, a longtime NFL guy. He, he's been in uh, the business for a long time. It's the first time that he's led an arbitration. Uh, and so he's collecting information from every single side to see who should control the Broncos, to who should own the Broncos. And, Ryan, convenient timing that the Broncos announced they're bringing in Brittany Bolin. Yes, and uh, it should also be noted that Carmen Policy is working hand-in-hand with Marshall Law. <laughs> uh, it fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very <laughs> it is very interesting that um, the, the Brittany Bolin news comes down this week because it's something that – I mean, I, said, I, I did a whole thread about this at the Super Bowl. What are we waiting for? I mean, what is this, you know, beating around the bush? Everyone and their mother knows there's two options. You sell the team or you give it to Brittany. End, end of story. So if the Broncos were interested in keeping this, I don't want to call it a charade, um, keeping this whole thing going, there was only one option. And it was to make it clear that Brittany is going to get this thing. Because if the NFL was to say was to come in and arbitrate and say, well, <clears throat> they are following the plan of Pat Bolin, but we're not seeing where this plan ends, well, then that's a bad place for them. So they say this. They say, hey, Brittany's coming in this year. She's going into a senior management level position. Um, she's going to help us get the naming rights. Well, they didn't say that, but hopefully they, that she will. Uh, and, you know, they, they put all that out there. Then it says, okay, so Brittany's, what, is she 29 now? Yep. Brittany's 29. She's going to do this job for four years. And then we'll, we'll you know, and then we'll appoint her or something along those lines. Yeah, probably right. I, I would imagine the timeline would kind of be right after uh, the negotiations, the uh, collective bargaining negotiations and kind of all of that messes to the side that then it would make sense. She's been on the job. She's been some, some through some tough things. She's helped them uh, navigate some strategic issues that they really want her to focus on. Mm, good fake words. <laughs> and they've put her through the ringer like they said they're going to do. Um, and so what what does this mean? Uh, according to some reports that this could be wrapped up, the arbitration could be wrapped up by the end of the year. And since they've brought Brittany in, I think it's just a very clear process of what's going to happen. The arbitrator is going to come in and he's going to say, okay, now there's a clear direction. And the trust is going to say, here's our clear direction. It's Brittany Boland. She's joining us by the end of the year. The arbitrator may say, okay, I just need to stay on this until you actually bring her on. And then the plan's in motion because I don't see the NFL stepping in and saying, we're going to blow this whole thing up. We, we want to make this a huge mess. Because who does that look bad on? It looks bad on the Broncos. Looks terrible on the NFL, and that's why uh, the the opposing parties, the Beth Bolin Wallace, didn't want this to be handled by the NFL. She wanted this to be handled in the courts because the courts probably wouldn't have any say and and wouldn't care, wouldn't have any interest in this case. So they wouldn't mind just blowing the whole thing up and making this whole thing a mess. The NFL doesn't want that. So I would be shocked if it goes in any other direction other than the NFL just siding with the Broncos and siding with the trust and saying, okay, this is going to be Brittany's team sometime. We can put this to rest. And then if that happens, it's going to make Bill Boland's case in court, I would imagine, a lot more difficult because then the trusts would 
seemingly be acting in the best interest of, of the Broncos and, and Pat Bullen. So this is a big win for the trust right now. Let me just ask you two quick questions because I'm already bored. <laughs> um, and I think these questions are more exciting. One, do you believe the trust is acting in good faith? Sure. Okay. What would bad faith be? Holding on to these positions because it makes them money and it gives them power. And that's the two what, things that make the world go around, <laughs> money and power. And that's what I thought. And the money that we're talking about, um, I believe one of the members on the board who it just sits as a member of the trust. It's not um, It's not Joe Ellis, who also has a different job. I think she makes $300,000 just by sitting on this. So we're not just talking about little money either. I mean, significant money. But my question is, now that they're bringing Brittany on, how much longer until they give her control is it like, because obviously if they were to just give her ownership in a year, I don't think people would be saying, oh my gosh, the trust held on for it for another year and got paid that extra $300,000 or whatever the final paychecks are. But what if they just say, we're going to hold on to this for 15 years? Because I think we've cleared one hurdle about acting in bad faith, about finally bringing in a clear candidate. But now how long does it take? As long as they want. (laughs) As long, I mean, here's the thing is the NFL owners are going to be on their side. Yeah. I guarantee you some white-haired, rich man, NFL owner somewhere is saying, we don't need no 30-year-old girl coming in here and telling us how to do our jobs. Right. So they're going to have the support if they say, hey, we're going to have her work in this position for 15 years. Yeah. Who's what NFL owner is saying like no we really want a young woman coming in here and being in these meetings right let's be honest and and also you say young the youngest owner right now Daniel Snyder fifty four years old like we said Brittany is under thirty years old yeah she's I mean she might as well be sitting in on this podcast <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and, and I don't mean that in a negative way but like she could she no. relates to us yeah. more than she relates to. NFL owners. Absolutely. With that being said, I also think she is a great candidate for this. Mm -hmm. And I mean that very sincerely. Um, She is going to be a, a really good NFL owner. And I believe that. And, and I've thought about this a lot because there have been times when I thought to myself, it's probably just best for the Broncos to just sell this thing, get it, get it moving and, and put it into the hands of someone who's really rich, who wants a fun little toy and is going to spend money on the Broncos. And the more I've thought about it, I'm just like, man, I think you want the the spirit of Pat Bolin always looking over the Broncos. And if you sell it to Jeff Bezos, I'm just throwing out the first rich person that comes to my mind. <laughs> he's rich. He's not going to be thinking about Pat Bolin. He's going to be thinking about him. It's what most billionaires do. It's probably why they're billionaires. Yep. And if Beth Bolin, who is extremely bright, who has been brought up in this, who cares a lot about the Denver Broncos, I'm sorry, Brittany Bolin, who, who, all those things. If Brittany Bolin becomes the owner of this team, she's always going to be thinking, she's going to, you know, have her own thoughts on things, but she's always going to be thinking about, what would have made my dad proud? 
And with that in mind, she's always going to first and foremost be interested in making the Denver Broncos the best football team they can possibly be. Because that's that's what Pat was all about. Yeah, of course, Pat you know, took a lot of pride in, in being in a position where he could own a football team. But he wanted to own a winning football team. And he did. Almost, you know, nine times out of ten, he they were a winning football team under his guidance. And technically, they still are under his guidance. Not really, though. So... I think the best thing for the Denver Broncos is for Brittany Bowen to get this job. And I think she will eventually. Um, it, you know, when I, when I tweeted out that thread, I said, what is it about being an NFL owner that Brittany Bowen couldn't do right now? And I truly believe she could do it right now. Now, there's, there's certainly things and experiences that, you know, she's going to have to go through to understand this thing. But what is it? Is, that, is being an NFL owner hard? Or is it just about how much money you have? And it's probably about surrounding yourself with the right people. And I imagine that's one thing that Joe and the trustees will help her with the next few years is who do you feel comfortable with? Who do you trust? And let's bring some of these people in. Let's bring some outside people in that are your people. At least that's what I would do. Because no matter if she takes the team over in two years or in 10 years, she's still going to be young for running a multi-billion dollar organization. But Ryan, I agree. She's she's very capable and she can do it and it makes sense. And you know who else really likes and supports Pat Bolin? Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell, uh, I truly believe that, that Roger knows Pat's wishes were that if one of the kids was capable, that that's what he truly wanted. And so you know what the Broncos can do now? They can talk, the, the trustees can talk to Roger Goodell since he's not leading this arbitration case. They can talk to Roger Goodell and say, hey, what do we need to do? Is it a, can we put a 10-year plan on this with Brittany or does it need to be five years? And he can say, you know what? I think from the league office, if you know, seven sounds about right. And so if this year they kind of put a seven-year plan in place, have it written out, I don't know if it needs to be an official contract or not. What is Carmen Policy going to do? He's going to say No. No, he's going to say, yes, this looks good. My boss is telling me this looks good. So it's it's such an advantage for the Broncos in the NFL. Is Carmen Policy a guy? It is. He is, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I was operating under the, uh, the idea that it was a girl this whole time. Before the podcast started, honestly, uh, I, I, I almost told you that a lot of media members were unsure, too, with their tweets yesterday before looking him up because they were just, you know, going over the he or she part. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even think. I think that's the first I've ever heard of a, of a man named Carmen. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> wrong with it at all. Um, but I, I, it had me fooled. Just I, honestly, if it was me, I would just say, Beth, you're the owner. Sorry, Brittany. I keep messing that up. Right now? Brittany, you're the owner. Yep. Go ahead. Fire away. Good and, luck. And, and, and uh, Joe says, you know, I'll be here as long as you need. And she fires away by just firing him. No, and I think that's what it would be is what's the difference between Joe Ellis being the owner right now and Brittany Bowen being the owner with Joe Ellis as like her special advisor to the owner? The only thing there is maybe she goes rogue. And I, she, she's not the type of person to go rogue, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. In meeting Brittany, she is extremely level-headed. Yeah. She has... All of her ducks in a row. She is very bright, and she's not going to do anything crazy. And here's the thing. what The most important thing that Joe Ellis said about her this weekend is emotional intelligence. 
She has a great, great feel for the room, knows how to conduct a room, and emotional intelligence. That's, that's something that is going to be so hard to dispute by another side, whether that's in court, whether that's in arbitration. Emotional intelligence is, is, is a intangible. You can't quantify it. Yeah, she, she, she gives me like a presidential vibe. Mm. Like, like she could run for president. That's the type of the, that's the way she carries herself, and so it's just a matter of time. Yes. If I were if I was to advise Broncos fans, just start addressing Brittany Bullen as the owner of the Broncos, as they should. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on from ownership stuff. It bores me. Should we uh, bring in our, our draft expert, Mel Kuyper? Mel, how are you doing? <laughs> Hair's Welcome looking on. good, man. <laughs> we, Mel just gave a nice handshake to the strong arm on his way out of the building. Um, they have similar styles. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk, let's talk Mel's, Mel's uh, mock draft here. What are we looking at? Mel's mock draft Number 10, Ryan, maybe the first time we've really seen a high-profile person say this, the Broncos select TJ Hawkinson, your dark horse of the week last week, tight end from Iowa. What do you think? This is a, a pick that I could never hate on. Like, I can never tell you this is a bad pick. It's not, it's not a bad pick. It's a good pick. It's a safe pick. It's a sound pick, and you're getting a really good football player, and you're getting the best player at his position. How does a high floor and a high ceiling sound on a player? Really good. Pretty good. That's what you want from a top 10 pick is a guy who won't be a bust and a guy that has an extremely high ceiling, and that's what TJ Hawkinson is, and that's why I can't say awful pick, terrible pick, just like you said. Now, when I look at tight end, I kind of view the position – as a luxury, and maybe one of the biggest luxuries on the field. Broncos probably have some other holes that need to be addressed, but I still can't say this is a bad pick with that. And let me read you Mel's reasoning. He says, I think Hawkinson would be a guy that can help the quarterback rather than take the heir apparent to Flacco for John Elway, who may end up being the quarterback for the next general manager if you don't win this year. I think there's more pressure to win, and pressure to win means helping Flacco and that running game out with the tight end who can block as well. So Mel's kind of looking at this as you either get someone to help Flacco or you get his heir apparent. You're, you're not getting his heir apparent. Yeah. So I'm, we're, you and I have been looking at it differently this, for a while now, and it's are you investing in Joe or are you investing in Vic? Those are your two options here. And... Both are good. I just, for some reason, all of the Broncos' moves, to me, tell me they're doubling down on defense. And so that's why – who's on the board? Can you, can you tell me who's, who's on the board? I saw it as an insider thing. So um, sorry for, for ESPN. We don't, <laughs> we don't subscribe. Um, I just think if Ed Oliver, if Devin White, if oh, – maybe just those two guys – if those guys are on the board, they got to take them. It's the investment in Vic. It's the investment in the defense. Vic is a guy, you've asked me this before, who's going to be here longer, Joe Flacco or Vic Fangio? You're hoping the answer is Vic Fangio. So an investment in Vic is really an investment in the longevity and also the, the, the uh, present. But I, I would never 
say a bad thing about them drafting TJ Hawkinson. I have to bring this up because it's fitting right now. The numbers on Jared Cook's deal with the Saints just came out. Two years, $15.5 million. Ryan, we're looking at about $7.5 million. The Broncos spent $4.5 million on Jeff Hireman. If they wanted a game changer and and a, a huge upgrade at tight end, why would they have not just spent $3 million more on Jared Cooker? You know what? It's I would rather go play for Drew Brees and the Saints than Joe Flacco and the Broncos right now. So if I'm Jared Cook, I'd say you need to pay me more. Okay, I'll give you $8.5 million per year. To me, I'd rather spend that extra $4 million to go get Jared Cook than use the number 10 overall pick on a tight end. And I I just feel like that's the way John Elway looks at this on top of Jeff Hireman's my guy. Look, he was healthy last year for the first, what, 10 games, and he was having a, a career season. I can count on him. Troy Fumagalli's healthy. I like him. And Jake Butt, I just hope that hope the knee's going to hold up, and it's a dangerous weapon there. I think there's too many factors playing against a tight end for 10. Could you make the case that the two positions being talked about, two of the three positions being talked about most for this pick – are the two positions that John Elway has invested the least in in Ab- his GM career? Absolutely. The tight end and linebacker? Yeah. Are we over th- underthinking this and not just thinking about John Elway? Like, are we trying to convince ourselves that John Elway has changed with no evidence to say so? Yeah. So let's think in the frame of mind of John Elway has not changed and will not change. Then where's the pick? <sighs> so not quarterback. We're going to go with no on that because he has Flacco. Because we're, we're putting ourselves in John Elway's mind and win now. And we know that John Elway is not excited about drafting quarterbacks. No on inside linebacker. No on tight end. No on running back. Receiver? We. John. You can make it with the contracts. Right, right. So, so Cortland really. is the highest he's ever drafted a wide receiver. And Cody Latimer. Yep. So second round defense. I mean, don't you don't you go to defense? You go with the cornerback that he's drafted in the past with Bradley Roby in the first round. Shane Ray. You go Bradley Chubb. He almost always goes. Sylvester defense. Williams is what Paxton Lynch and Garrett Bowles are the yeah. two on offense. And how those work out? Yeah, he's probably sticking with defense, especially in this draft. Take that into account. A strong defensive draft, man. I feel great about projecting the Broncos to go defense now. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if if we under if we're overthinking this by saying John always going to change what if we change our what if we change our thinking here if it's defense and it's not going to be inside linebacker if we're saying John hasn't changed it's not going to be corner no nope, they've already invested heavily in that it's not going to be safety it's not going to be safety so what do we get to outside linebacker and defensive and line it's not going to be outside linebacker defensive line there we go that by <laughs> process of elimination it sure seems like defensive line Fits the bill pretty well. Yeah, especially what's the deepest part of this class? Defensive, defensive line. line. Especially in terms of top-level talent. Right. Now, defensive line, right. anywhere on the line, you're capable of finding guys late in the draft. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot, as it is with any position. But this is a deep upper tier right. of defensive linemen, where I think John Elway will say, even if two defensive linemen, three defensive linemen go ahead of us, we're still going to get a top-tier talent. That is hard to argue against. And you know who else can get behind that pick? Vic Fangio can get behind that pick. 
Yeah, exactly. Because you know what makes linebackers better? When the guys in front of them are really good. Mm. And just ask uh, Brandon Marshall about that. Because when Brandon Marshall had an, uh, a line in front of him that consisted of Derek Wolf in his prime, um, why am I forgetting? Malik Jackson in his prime, and Sylvester Williams, who was playing well that season, and then, you know, DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller outside. Well, Brandon Marshall looked really good. And in fact, he looked so good, he got a nice, shiny new contract. Um, then, all of a sudden, there wasn't a great, uh, you know, a fantastic line in front of him, and he started looking like an average player. You're right on that. And since we're talking about that mock draft, let's jump to one that Peter Schrager put out uh, recently. And let's go through every pick up until the Broncos. Tell me just a quick note about what you think. The Arizona Cardinals, number one overall, Kyler Murray. Great pick. Number two, 49ers, Nick Bosa. They're lucky that that um, the Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury. Yep. Number three, the Jets go Josh Allen. Um, solid. I don't know why I'm worried about him, but solid. Mm. Number four, Raiders go Ed Oliver. Bummer for the Broncos. <laughs> yep. Number five, Devin White to the Bucks. Bummer for the Broncos. Number six, Drew Locke to the Giants. Don't see that happening. <laughs> Number seven, Rashawn Gary to the Jags. Good pick. Oh, man. Number eight, to the Lions, Quinnen Williams almost falls to the Broncos. And so now you've had the top four defensive linemen go off the board. Yep. Number nine, Juwan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida to the Bills. Okay. So top offensive lineman's gone where the Broncos could go. Defensive lineman. We haven't talked a lot about Juwan Taylor being the top offensive lineman, but maybe the Bills are in love with him. So you have Devin Bush on the on the board. You have – who else do you have? You have uh, TJ Hawkinson. You have Jonah Williams, DJ Metcalf. With the 10th overall pick, Peter Schrager has the Broncos taking Dwayne Haskins. Look – I would be kind of excited by this um, personally because I really think Dwayne Haskins is a baller. With that being said, I would also write a column saying, what the hell are the Broncos doing? It wouldn't make any sense. It, it, it's the opposite of win now. It's, well, it, it, you know, you could say it's a win from now on type of thing. That's how probably John would spin it. But – this, that's, that is not win now unless you're going to give him a chance to win the job in training camp. And then what? You're going to pay $18.5 to your backup? Cut him. You could cut him. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious as to when that money kicks in. Makes a big difference. I assume it's guaranteed as of week one. Yes, I would think so. So you could cut Joe Flacco. That would be <laughs> absolutely wild. That's the only way I would really support that, though. If you're saying it's an open competition... And the second that John Elway says it's an open competition, you and I come on here and say, wow, Joe Flacco has an $18.5 million competition on his hands. Mm. If he loses this competition, the Broncos are going to cut him. And they'll just say, well, we, we gave away a fourth-round pick so that we could get our quarterback because no one thought we were going to draft Haskins, so no one tried to trade over us. Right. There's a spin. There is a spin there. But I don't think they would do that. I think John would come up and say, Joe Flacco is still our quarterback. Dwayne is going to take time to learn behind one of the best um, 
one of the best pocket passers of this generation, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm saying, wow, you did everything to win now, and then you used your best opportunity to improve your roster on getting a player who's not going to play this year. So that doesn't make sense. He he says that Drew Locke just wowed everyone at the Senior Bowl, and that and that kind of caught the Giants' eye. He says, if Dwayne Haskins is a guy who's just been in the background in the Broncos' mind, thinking like, yeah, of course he's our number one quarterback, but we're not going to get him. Let's look at this Drew Locke guy. Oh wow, he's amazing. And then somehow Dwayne Haskins falls to them. Maybe and if he really is their number one quarterback, how do you pass up on that? How do you pass up on your number one quarterback? Unless the answer is your number one quarterback was actually the 25th best player in the draft. But if you think that this was a top 10 worthy quarterback, your number one quarterback, how do you pass up on that? In terms of Dwayne falling to the Broncos? Yeah. You, sh- you probably shouldn't. Yeah. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to fall to the Broncos. I don't either. So... In this scenario, like I said, I, I'm not going to like I'm going to say there's exci- there's reason to be excited, because remember when I wrote that you know that Joe Flacco needs to be part of the plan, not the plan. Mm-hmm. Well, now I've seen the plan, and he is part of the plan. It's not the part of the plan that I thought he was going to be, but this would be like a middle ground between two plans, which would confuse me, but it would also tell me, hey, the Broncos fans, you have your quarterback of the future. So, number nine. The Bills pick Juwan Taylor. Dwayne Haskins is sitting there. Do the Broncos select him? So their options are trade back, Dwayne Haskins, TJ Hawkinson. Who's the best defensive player available right now? Uh, Christian Wilkes is there. You have uh, Clennon Farrell from Clemson. Uh, Byron Murphy. Montez Sweat, maybe. Ooh, that's a pass rusher, though. Right. I then then could, it's the linebackers, Devin Bush. I guess you could take Montez Sweat and move um, Bradley Chubb oh, to oh, oh, defensive oh. end. As Vic says he wants to look into, not truly moving him, but... That would be almost as dangerous as getting at Oliver. Yeah. If not more. Um, again, I think that I think that would, it would be a serious consideration. Now, I've never felt the love from John Elway towards Dwayne Haskins. Um, and so that gives me pause, but again, that would probably be best player available. And so you can never crush a team too hard for going best player available. I would just have to say what's going on here. Are you win now or are you win later? I got to know. And there'd have to be some explanation from him before reading you those list of players that were still on the board. I was thinking, no, the Broncos pass. The Broncos do not take Dwayne Haskins. Got a lot more interesting reading those players because none of them. That's to a me, worst. It's kind of a worst case scenario for the Broncos. If if they don't want Dwayne Haskins, it is a worst case scenario. The funny thing, right? Exactly. The funny thing is, you we could call it worst case scenario now, and then five years from now, Dwayne Haskins could be hoisting a Lombardi in orange and blue. Exactly. So it, it's worst. I, I say worst case scenario. I should say it's a worst case scenario for 2019. It's a worst best case scenario. If yeah. they want him, it's the best case ever. If they don't want him, that's that's bad because instead of, oh man, instead of Quinn and Williams somehow falling two more spots or Ed Oliver or Devin White, then you're going with pretty much plan B's at all of those positions. You love Quinnen. If Quinnen is still there when the seventh pick comes up, are you trying to make a move? 
It's a conversation that I asked you yesterday about Devin White. If it's giving up not a first-round pick, then yeah, you do it. I love the draft. <laughs> it's so exciting. I mean, it's just there's so many. Ten is a great from from our perspective. Ten is a great place to be because it's so unpredictable. Anything could happen. There's nine picks where anything could happen in front of, of the Broncos. Technically, they could you know anything is on the board. They could trade all the way up to number one and draft Kyler Murray. Now that's not going to happen. But everything is on the board right now. And from ten, it's like, geez. What's going to happen to lead up to this pick? Outside of Kyler Murray, remember last year, John Elway said we didn't envision any scenario where Bradley Chubb fell to us. Maybe true. Maybe him just trying to hype up Bradley Chubb. Whatever, whatever that may be. Outside of Kyler Murray, could you see what, what what's that player this year where the Broncos and us just can't imagine him falling to ten? Who would that be? Probably Quinnen. That's what I think too. And I don't. I I also can't imagine him falling that far. Um, <laughs> last year, I probably would have said there's a very slight chance that Bradley Chubb could fall. I don't remember. Uh, for all I know, I might have said on this podcast, there's no chance Bradley Chubb was going to fall. <laughs> but I think it, Quinn and Williams, next to no chance, he falls ten spots. Really quick, now that we're talking about these guys, Nick Bosa. What do you think of him? I think he's incredible. I don't know if he'd be my number one defensive player. You you would take Quinnen. I think I would. Yeah. Nick Bosa, I mean, when you watch the tape on him, the dude is a freak. He is. Quinnen is as well. Uh, and a lot of people have called Quinnen Williams the best player in the draft. So him falling to 10 is just asinine to me. But if he can fall to 8, he can fall to 10. Man, if you potentially get the best, two best defensive players in back-to-back years – to pair along with Chris Harris and uh, and Von Miller. And the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, arguably. You better win. Or defense doesn't matter anymore. Man. So, really quick, let's say Quinnen's on the board at 8, and, the, uh, and so is Dwayne Haskins, and the Miami Dolphins say, oh my gosh, we cannot let the Denver Broncos pick uh, Dwayne Haskins. They trade up to 8, then Quinnen is on the board at nine, and let's say Buffalo in, in a lot of mock drafts, they're either going offensive tackle or going wide receiver. They say we got to stick with offense. They go there. Maybe that's how he falls. That's incredible. I would be shocked and also elated. Yeah, and he only started one year, so he doesn't have the Alabama effect on mm. him. Mm. He's a freak, though. Yeah, and he gave us calamari. <laughs> All right, let's take a break right here, and when we come back, we've got question of the week and, of course, questions from the listeners. Hyperelectric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger maybe a remodel and so we certainly have preferred people to piper and piper to them from residential commercial and industrial piper electric can handle all of your electrical needs 
they've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. All right, as we move on here, let's hop into the question of the week as presented by Sports Column. And, and Sports Column played fantastic host to us last week during March Madness. In fact, I actually went back uh, for some March Madness later because I thought it was such a great environment. It, it was packed in there. Everyone was into the games. As, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I just want to be surrounded by people who are also into things that I'm into. <laughs> and... It was really special to be there and just see like everyone cheering on the underdog, you know, whether it's UCF or whoever. Everyone was all in on the underdog and you know living and dying with every shot, and that's that's pretty cool. So you're telling me a, a name a bar with sports in its names, a, a place that you like, and it has a reference to journalism, which wow. I also like. Wow, it's perfect. It is. <laughs> um, speaking of bars that are perfect for me, actually, no, I'm not going to do that because this is the sports column <laughs> question of the week. So sports column is going to get their chance to shine right now. Um, Sports column question of the week, Zach, what was it? What position do you think the Broncos should target with the 10th pick? And first one coming in from Nicholas Geyer, he says, inside linebacker. Like, is it even a question now? I think it still is. We'll see what everyone else says. Ryan Clayman says, inside linebacker or quarterback. One move to win now, one move to win in the future. Hockey fan? Inside linebacker or defensive line? In a dream scenario, they get either Devin White or... Or Ed Oliver. I'm just going to keep going until it's not inside linebacker. Jacob chimes in and says, should be inside linebacker, quarterback, or a trade down. Timothy Pierce, I still say inside linebacker. I'm fine with either Devin, but if it ends up being Devin Bush, the ideal scenario would be to trade down a couple picks and hope nobody snatches him up. All right, that's where the inside linebacker ones end. Man, if Devin, but let, let's say the Broncos also won an inside linebacker. If Devin White is picked at five, can you trade down and still hope to grab Devin Bush? Yeah, I think so. You can? I think so. Where Ooh. would you be comfortable? Um, 15. 15? Yeah. I've seen the Bengals potentially grabbing him at 11. So, I mean, there's risk there. I guess it's just how much... If it's for a second-round pick in return, man, that's just hard to pass up to get an extra second-round pick. But if he's your guy, if that's Vic's guy, you you stay there and take him. For for Devin Bush? Yeah. Yeah. He's just not as good as Devin Bush. <laughs> I'm convinced of this. Um, uh I don't know. I, I, I say trade back. I say trade back and stockpile. And then what happens if Devin Bush is taken? You just go – then you go a myriad of options. You can go cornerback. You can go offensive tackle. Uh, you could go guard. You could go just defensive tackle, the Montez Sweat pick potentially. And you'd be okay with just any of those with picking up an additional second-round pick? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that it's not – I'm glad that it's not uh, up to me. <laughs> Iron Man says, 
just gives it a name, Ed Oliver, defensive tackle. So that's Iron Man's guy. Mike at night, just quarterback. He says quarterback, and that's it. So he would certainly like the Dwayne Haskins pick. Ethan, defensive tackle. So now now we're seeing a little more on the defensive tackle, defensive line push here. Zane Womack chimes in. Interior defensive line or linebacker, unless Haskins is there, then Haskins. So I'd say there's a lot more quarterback than I was expecting. A lot of quarterback, defensive line, and inside linebacker. Nathan chimes in, says BPA or Drew Locke. Think John Elway like that? The Drew Locke? No. Flip the scenario we talked about. Instead of Dwayne Haskins on the board, it's Drew Locke. I don't think you would take him. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think he's convinced by Drew Locke. Yeah, I don't either. I think there's been... I agree. Harry Urban says, doesn't matter. Elway will stuff it up anyway. Wow. He didn't mess up last year at number five. It doesn't matter what position... Whatever. <laughs> Eamon Badwin chimes in and says, I think tight end would make our team more balanced and would help the offense be more creative in the middle of the field. Man, it would certainly open up the offense and just be a huge help for Joe Flacco. It just, uh, if you could get, I guess that could be dangerous. I, I stay, say, still just stay on the defense. Yep. Sam says an interior offensive lineman. Man, I don't see that at 10. It's hard to because, I mean, it could be Jonah Williams. That could be the play. Um, but he played outside like you're drafting a guy to change positions. I don't like that. Especially at 10. If you do that, I'd move Garrett Bowles inside and have Jonah Williams be my left tackle. Yeah, and then you have the, the whole arm length thing. Like, are his arms long enough? Joe Thomas had the same arm length as him. Yep. Wouldn't concern me. I think it was actually Joe Staley. I think they both did. Oh, okay. I, th- well, I, think, I think it was both Joes. Those are two of the best tackles in the last <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Man, did you – oh, Broncos Twitter last week put out that fake spin move that Demarcus Ware put on Joe Staley. Dirtiest. <laughs> it, it really was. Made, it, made him look like an expert going up against a freshman. I think I tweeted out one time that he turned him into the Mr. Krabs meme. You know, where like, he's like <laughs> yeah. all stunned and everything around him is blurry. <laughs> Man, so arm length, yeah, not a big issue in my no. book. Uh, Justin Jeffs says quarterback until they get it right, always. It's hard to disagree with that, Jeff. Justin. It is, but they are of the uh, of the mind that they already got it right, right. And that's why, in the Broncos' perspective, I don't think that's how they view it. And final one coming in from Ham and Cheese, Ed Oliver or Devin White. Wish I could say a quarterback, but if we're going to bet on defense, might as well go all in. And that's kind of how I've, I think the Broncos are viewing this as well. I think so, too. All right, let's move on now to the questions from the listeners. And we have a solid haul today, so let's uh, make sure we get to all of these. Ryan, you'll probably appreciate this first one. And I didn't know. I, I really like this one. Coming in from Mr. Freeze. Caffeine content in coffee is weird. If you measure your coffee by scoops, light roasted coffee will have more caffeine since the beans are denser than a dark roast. However, if you weigh out your scoops, darker roasts will have more caffeine because there is less mass. 
I don't know anyone who weighs their coffee out, so typically light roast has more caffeine. And Spacebar chimes in and says, You are right, Mr. Freeze. As an avid coffee drinker, I decide on which coffee I drink based on the day. Some days I want more caffeine, and some days I want better taste. Dark roast is less acidic and has more of a full taste. Another factor that affects caffeine is the grind size. Too short or too long will affect both caffeine and taste. I'm going to be honest, I had no idea about the weights of the coffee being different. I had no idea that grind time affected the caffeine or the taste. Did you know any of that? I did not. I just have espresso, so I don't really drink drip coffee anymore. Yeah. Um, But then there's people out there who say, like, technically espresso doesn't have more caffeine. All I know is it works better for me. That's all that matters. And it's it's a different drink. Right. Yeah, I like the flavor of it better. You ever just go straight espresso shots? No, no. I either go, I started with lattes, then I was like, that's a lot of milk. So then I went to straight Americanos, which is nothing but water. And now I've started, because keto allows you to do this, putting just a little touch of heavy cream in there, mm. which kind of, you know, the fat in that kind of um, balances out the acid in the in the coffee. Isn't the heavier the cream, the better for keto? Yes. It's weird because you're allowed to have fat on keto you're not allowed to have carbs and whatever they do to the milk to you know thin it out i I, don't i don't know how i just had the best idea for you but i think you're gonna hate it because you don't like coconuts coconut milk lattes best thing ever i would assume that coconut milk probably has some carbs in it it probably does it probably does have some natural carbs all right next one coming in from brian he says boys it's official I love Vic Fangio. The sight of Vic spitting tobacco during interview questions during what seemed to be a breakfast hall. Anyways, this just keeps adding to this non no nonsense approach. Anywho, that's it from me. Take it easy, guys. Brian, your friendly Los Angeles Broncos fan. And I think a lot of people are going to be falling uh, in love with Vic just like Brian did. Whether it's, you know, uh, funny old school habits like that or just a straightforward, no BS to the media. And I think he's going to be hard on his players in the media too. I think if a, if a guy messes around, he's going to call him out. And I think that's going to be such a refreshing change for fans that you're going to start finding out next week when the players are in the building. I bet we hear a story next week about how Vic's already done something just so different and how, you know, it's caught players' attention already. He's such a football guy. He is. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> and also, a lot of people probably don't associate um, chewing tobacco with being a football guy. But once you've spent time in the facility, you will learn that that is definitely a football guy thing. That- most people would associate it with baseball. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. All right, next one here comes in from Kai Olson. He says, hey, guys, I'm loving this linebacker debate, but there's one name I think you're missing. He's probably going to name some CSU guy. (laughs) The linebacker I hope Denver targets is (laughs) NC State's uh, former teammate of Bradley Chubb, Jermaine Pratt. Okay. (laughs) Missed that one. Uh, I've seen Pratt discussed as a second to fourth round prospect. I know most people describe a Fangio offense as a zone scheme, but it's really much more of a hybrid coverage. Yeah, I think when we discuss it – we just say that you like you got to be able to play in zone right which is not which is different from what it's been in the past you can't be pure man right because in the past the broncos have really relied on press man almost all the time now joe woods tried to mix it up and some people could argue it was for the worse 
uh, for the worse. But with Vic, you got to be able to do it all. And so we talk about zone more than man because most of the guys on the team already can play man. It's That's different. why they're here. Right. The zone is the new new aspect that you kind of have to be able to work with. Right. Which might be one of the reasons why he talks a lot more about Justin Simmons. Because mm. Justin Simmons has a lot of versatility in that Right. <laughs> Anyways, he says, for example, Adrian Amos would line up in quarter zone coverage, but if the tight end motion, he would typically switch roles and assume man coverage d- duties on that tight end. So it's important Denver add versatile coverage assets in the middle of the field. Like I was just saying. Right. When it comes to plays close to the closer to the line of scrimmage, RK and other others have mentioned Fangio needs aggressive, explosive, instinctive playmaking abilities from the middle linebacker spot. With those criteria, I think Pratt is our guy, and Matt Miller would appear to agree when he tweeted this about Pratt. Quote, his zone drops are pretty. Can lock up tight ends and man. Oh, and he'll come downhill and smack you. Those are essentially the, the things that I've said about the guys that I like. Right. Exactly. So um so it sounds pretty good that sounds like the player that you want I'll tell you what you should look at a picture of uh Jermaine with no uh no pads on he looks like a man I just imagine he looks like Chris Pratt (laughs) a little different okay (laughs) he's got the beard though he's got the facial hair can you show me Oh, yeah. Looks like a nothing man. like uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, and so here's the thing, because, Kai, that sounds like a perfect player. So what's wrong with him if he's going second to fourth round? And I've seen some things out there. Third. So you, you nailed it right on the head. It's got to be that his first name is Jermaine. <laughs> it's, so he was a converted, I think he was an all-state safety in high school. He came to college switched to linebacker, was in a reserve role, really, really productive guy in a reserve role uh, for his first three years and only started his his senior season. Really good in coverage from everything that that I've seen and read. Um, Just needs to work on run defense. And that's obviously a big role for a linebacker. But so I don't know if he's a guy that comes in and he's your every down linebacker next to Todd Davis year one. But he could certainly be a project guy um, and a guy that would have a role immediately. Maybe Josie's the guy on first down and they switch off second down. He's your guy on third down. Uh, Especially because Josie and Todd can both play the run defense. Maybe it is a very good compliment. Possibly. He finishes off by saying, how nice would it be to have a legitimate cover option for tight ends? He was a converted safety and those skills certainly show up on tape. Plus, he plays angry and certainly brings the flash impact plays as both a blitzer and a run defender finally his 6'2 240 pound frame uh should alleviate concerns that he's another undersized gimmick coverage linebacker like Dion buchanan or sua cravens it is so crazy how sua cravens went from this ideal player in anyone's defense to ah, we don't know if we'll make the team he's missing something what and i don't think it has to do with his abilities hmm I think it's a, just an edge that he doesn't have. Oh, Sua? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's 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 just that it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. But I've seen it happen many times in locker rooms where yeah. certain guys just don't have um, a piece to them. It's almost like he's he doesn't have a screw loose. Sometimes you kind of have to have a little bit of a he's screw. He's got loose. it all together. Like he, yeah, he's like a very, <laughs> like you would never say like oh, Sue Cravens. That guy's crazy. Right, right. Sometimes you need a little crazy, especially when you're playing that role of 
uh, you know, be everywhere, hit anyone type of player. Right, exactly. And he will lay the wood. Like, I'm not saying he won't. But certain players just have this thing where you're like, wow, that guy is just a freak <laughs> yep he's just a monster yeah and I, I just don't i can't say that about sue yeah I, that's that's a good point all right next one here comes in from trade for rosen what do you guys think of the new challenging of pass interference rule i'm assuming it will still fall into the two challenge per half like before but will will this have to be blatant to be challengeable or can they just go willy-nilly and challenge some random dpi call on the back side of a play also saw a report today that the Broncos will have interest in bringing Kayvon Webster back. That wasn't really a report. It was just Kayvon Webster posted a text from his agent on Snapchat, which said the, the team with the most um, interest is the Broncos, and I'm trying to get them to make an offer. Okay, I, I love you, Kayvon. This isn't the first time he's done this, specifically with the Broncos. And also, Ryan, are we sure that text was from his agent? Because what I saw, there was no name or number. You would assume it's from his agent. Uh, I've seen this one too many times from Kayvon to totally believe that this is everything that's going down. And also, if the Broncos have interest, if there's no offer there, does it mean anything? Also, <laughs> what, even if this was real, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? If I was his agent, I would call him up and... T- Tear him a new one. Yes. Because oh God, you're, you're put even if the Broncos see that, you're giving them all the leverage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. The only team that wants you is this team. And then you tell them that they're the only team. So then they call you and say, okay, we'll give you the vet men. Right. <laughs> and now you're pigeonholed. Right. Do you want to play or no? And the Broncos had an opportunity to, to sign him last year. He instead went with the Houston Texans and then went on the injured reserve uh, for a quadricep injury. He's been hurt so much. Do you, do you need him? No, but he has something going for him, which is that he's just like best friends with Von Miller. And that got um, one of Von Miller's buddies a camp invite once before. And it could do the same for Kayvon Webster. Yeah, an Yvette Min thing, bring him in as, what would he technically be, the fifth cornerback? Slash special teams ace. Right, which he is. So you have him on one side, Brendan Langley on the other, playing special teams. If he can, you know, sneak his way onto the roster, you could sell that. Um, it's just, why are you giving away all your leverage by posting that on social? I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, that is just so, so stupid. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Anyways, he goes on to say, last thing, uh, are there any mid to late round guys that could be possible specialists that may have not gotten the spotlight yet? Maybe a corner to develop who also returns, such as Pat Peterson did early in his career in Arizona. Sorry for the long post. Keep up the great work. Let's circle back to the pass interference. What do you think, Zach? And uh, what is it? Is it all pass interference penalties are now reviewable, including on non-calls. And, yeah, and offense and defense. I, th- I think it's fine. Um, I, I don't think it'll slow down the game that much, and I think it makes the game right. And here's the thing. I, who, who's against this? And what, what's the arguing against it, Ryan? Is it just that it slows down the game? Yes, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll I'll let you finish. So I'll tell you my argument against it. Okay, you're done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with it. 
you know what? I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a big fan of all sports. And I hate the fact that you can now challenge what used to be called the neighborhood play, mm. which was essentially you're turning a double play. There's a second baseman barreling down, or there's a runner barreling down on the shortstop who's trying to turn the double play. And yes, the shortstop could hit the second base bag and get absolutely barreled into, or he can kind of just drag his foot in the area, throw it to first. That used to be a, a situation where if he's close enough, he's in the neighborhood. That's how it got the name. We're going to call him out and, and it's a double play. Well, now you can challenge that and it happens a lot. And a lot of times a guy ends up being safe at second because this, this shortstop was trying to protect, protect his health. I don't like that because it's just kind of changed the way that players have to play. And it happens so much that it's almost an automatic challenge if it's even close. I don't like the fact that if Chris Harris Jr. is lined up against, we'll say, um, you know, Julio Jones or whatever, and it's fourth and 17 late in the game, and he just gets a little too handsy out there in a, on a play that would almost never be called because it's fourth and 17, you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt as the offense, and the game is on the line, that they can just throw the challenge flag and the refs, if they see that Chris Harris Jr. broke the rules, which is, you know, contact beyond five yards, or he grabbed his arm a little bit as they were kind of hand fighting, it's going to change the complexion of games. And that was Vic Fangio's point, was in a replay, I doesn't make sense for me to do the grabbing on you, Ryan, since no one's going to be able to see it, but a replay where um, a slight tug on a jersey slowed down to frame by frame, could look like a gigantic tug, and that's that's blown out of proportion. And, and you're right, it's not right. I'm okay with it since it's a challenge and just not everything is going to be reviewed. So you, you get it twice, and that that's now something that coaches are going to have to take into account and say, okay, I got to save this. Do I want to use it here? Is it worth it? I It looks like a tug on the replay. Let's throw the challenge flag. So I'm okay with it because it's just twice. Yeah, I guess. I'm just telling you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the game in a call that wouldn't have normally been called. And there's probably someone out there who says pass interference is pass interference no matter the time, play, situation. The problem is, and I say this about, you know, I say this about offensive holding all the time, you can literally call offensive holding on every single play. Someone grabs somewhere on the line, a, a, they get a handful of jersey on every play. And if you want to go down frame by frame, like Vic said, you can probably find pass interference on most routes. On every single play. So when it's 4th and 17 late in the game and you're the Broncos, just throw the ball up to Cortland Sutton. They're either going to throw the flag, he's going to catch it, or you can just challenge it and they'll probably find a way they have to throw the flag then. And that's going to be something that you bet offensive coordinators are going to be talking about and trying to take advantage of. And defensive coordinators are going to have to coach their guys differently at the end of games in those crucial situations when they know that's going to happen. Right, because right now I would coach my guys to say, hey, if it's late in the game and we need a stop, Go ahead and be a little extra aggressive. Right. Because one thing we can't have is you getting beat deep. And the other thing is the refs are going to lean towards swallowing the whistle this late in the game. Right. Now that's not an option. Now, it's also going to be a thing where you have to keep track of the challenges. 
And if you're Vic Fangio slash Ed Donatel, you're going to have to uh, turn to your players and say, hey, look, they're out of challenges. Be aggressive. Right. Or, you're, or you're saying, hey, look, they have one to burn. Be careful out there, especially on late down and distances. So then, because the reason really for this was the Saints play in the NFC Championship game. If you don't like this, how would you have corrected that? Or is that just a bad call and those will happen? I, I, I hate to say this because I know if, I, if it happened like in a CU National Championship game, I would be losing my mind. But actually, I guess it would have been the finals of this college football playoff. <laughs> trust me, I'll just be happy we're there. Um, I, I think it just, it just happens. It's just a bad call. It, it, it's what I was leaning to, what I was just saying. They lean towards swallowing the whistle on plays like that because they don't want it to be their flag that changed the game, especially – I think in their minds it's worse to throw a flag when there isn't one than to not throw a flag when there is one. Say that again? I think in the in the minds of a referee, it's worse to throw a flag when there wasn't a foul committed than to not throw a flag when there was. Right. In a late game situation. And so he erred way too far on the side of caution and probably missed the play a little bit and said, you know, I can't take the risk of throwing this flag when I didn't see it entirely and I don't really know. And that cost him, but those things just happen. Yeah, and 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 I I don't fully disagree with that. I just like that it's only twice for the one time it's going to get it's going to fix a blatant call. There's going to be fifty times where it wasn't really blatant, but they had to call it because the player violated the rule. And if it's the Broncos, you guys will be happy that it helped that. If it's the Rams, then you're probably going to be upset twenty five of those times. And you know who should be really worried? Who? Big strong wide receivers. Mm. Because they commit OPI all the freaking time and I can think of a play for Cortland Sutton last year that ended not in a touchdown I think it ended up being like a 50 yard gain where he just lightly nudged him and, and I, in my head I thought wow that's really savvy play from a rookie yeah because he didn't extend his arm he just kind of as he was getting ready to catch the ball just lifted his right arm up a little bit and just got himself an extra three feet of separation well <clears throat> That's 50 yards that's coming back because when you look at the rule, you're going to say he extended his arm and hit him in the back, and that's that's P.I., and that's a big play off the board. So the Cortland Suttons of the world, the Julio Joneses of the world, those people better be really careful on those long balls because they're going to be coming back, and, they, and, and NFL refs hate calling offensive pass interference. There's also going to be a lot more flopping on both sides. Yeah, I mean – you might even not have to flop though because you can just go to the go to the replay. Well, but I mean if you flop then it just is way more exaggerated. And then that little nudge is now what Vic was saying that huge nudge. And what's crazy from an offensive perspective is it's not only going to wipe the gain off the board but it's going to set you back 10 yards. Exactly. Late game you're trying to drive to win the game. You push off a little bit which you'd normally get away with. Yeah. Now not only did you just get caught but you're sending the whole team back 10 all right zach plenty more questions to get to uh here on the bsn broncos podcast but let's do it on the other side of this break green mountain dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of lakewood's best family dental care offices um i have been a patient since i was three 
1973, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family-oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Getting to the last few questions here on the BSN Broncos podcast, and I must implore you once again to go to the BSN Broncos account on Twitter. If you are on Twitter, find just at BSN Broncos, and on there we have quote tweeted the championship round of the Rockies Twitter tournament. It may sound stupid, but we really want to win. And so go over there and vote for Drew and BSN Rockies. Patrick is helps Drew out over there too. They do a fantastic job. They are mopping the floor with everyone else during their spring training coverage, exclusive interviews every day. Drew is a tireless worker. If you've ever listened to his podcast, he does it solo, which I have much respect for, as you guys have heard the times that I've done it alone. It's hard, and he does it seamlessly every single day. Um, so check that out if you're a Rockies fan, and vote for Drew. Uh, we got we want to win this championship, and he deserves it. So let's uh, let's go do that. All right. What do we got next here, uh, Zach? Question coming in from OJF says, except the divisional games, which games are you most looking forward to this season? Browns. <laughs> Real excited for them to play the Browns. Man. I mean, the Browns are the team. They're, they're the team. So here's the Broncos' opponents outside of the division. You have the Jaguars. Tell me if you're excited when I, when I list these names. <laughs> Titans. Eh, Bears. Wait, that, that one's at home, huh, isn't it? Yep. I would have been excited if it was a road game. Oh, yeah. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Bears. Sure. Fangio, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lions. No. Browns. Yes. So two games that we're excited for. I agree with those. Uh, on the road. Texans. That's my best road trip, so yes. <laughs> Colts. Again? I'm so tired of going to Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a fun game. Should be. Going yeah. up against Andrew Luck this secondary. Packers. But, uh, I'm not excited because their press box is in Narnia. <laughs> Packers. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Lambeau. Yeah. Minnesota. Also exciting. And the Bills. So many cold weather. <laughs> Some of these got to be early in the season, please. I think they're doing all the home games early, all the road games that's late. Bad news for the Broncos. <laughs> that's the case. Um, most excited is for sure the Browns. Yeah, I got to go Browns. I got to go Browns uh, at home and Packers on the road. Okay. Next one here comes in from Nick Kimmet. Kimmet. Yep. Hey boys, uh, love the pod and all the hard work you do since I've been since I subscribed a year ago. The draft is my favorite time of year and has gotten me excited, um, so excited that I had to break my dry spell and comment. I wanted to comment so I could plug Andy Isabella. You don't mm, have to tell us twice. Easy. I'm a recent UMass grad and actually worked in the UMass film and video production room for the past year. He is truly the real deal, both on and off the field. Now. Do you think it's possible that he's around for Denver in the third round, and do you think he'd be a fit? I personally would rather have Andy than the likes of Campbell, Lodge, Hall, or Arcega-Whiteside. 
Of course, I'm probably biased, but curious to who, what you two think. Anyways, guys, thank you again for the hard work. Patriot fans are truly the most intolerable people in the world, and you make the life of a Boston-born Broncos fan a whole lot better. <laughs> well, you're going to like us even more because, yes, we fully endorse Andy Isabella to the Denver Broncos really anywhere in the draft. I don't know if I've ever endorsed a mid-round pick more than I endorse Andy Isabella. It's true. I mean, and now there's reason to hope that he'd be there in the third. He's 5'9", 188. I bet that eliminate not eliminates, but knocks him down some people's boards significantly. The interesting thing about this is most teams are considering a position switch for him. He is an outside receiver at UMass and a damn good one. Most teams are probably projecting him as a a slot receiver. I don't think a lot of teams are going to be open to the idea of just starting him on the outside. I think they might mix him in out there because they know he can work out there. But either way, you're you're kind of asking him to change a little bit. But he was asked to do that at the Senior Bowl, and he did it flawlessly. Do anything and everything you have to do to get Andy Isabella. Are you sure you don't want to switch him to inside linebacker with that four three one speed you like? I'm down. <laughs> as long as he can tackle. Man, if he's there in the third, that is a steal of the draft. Yeah, I think he will be there in the third. Um, you, It's going to be early in the third, though. Do you pick him? Yes. Do you trade up to pick him? What am I giving up, like a fourth? Sure. Yeah. I would, too. Definitely. I would, too. All right, from Tom, 3565. Just maybe, is it possible they are bringing in all four QBs to see if maybe one of them will impress them enough to change their minds? Oh, I'd hope so. I hope they're not bringing these guys in saying, this is 100% a smokescreen. We're not even going to listen to the words they tell us and what we're not even going to watch what they do on the field. I, I hope there's a chance. It'd be funny if they were like, hey, uh, you can go grab a bite to eat in the cafeteria. <laughs> we, we don't really want anything to do with you. <laughs> there's some really good mac and cheese and uh, hope you enjoy your flight home. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> All right, from Sutton14, Thomas87. Taking Vic's comments about what he's been watching at face value, do you think he's been grinding away division tape? You need to know what you require to ruin Mahomes before you can start looking for it. Yeah, I would say I hope so. I mean, but he's he's got to be watching something. How many times can you watch the, the Chiefs? It, it it would take him what? A week. I was going to say less than a day if with how he grinds. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how much he like. You know, does he want to key in on every player? Right. right. How does it work for him? Um, I think he he would be done with the division. He could probably have done the entire NFL by now. It's true, just not his own team. For Mile High Kansan, what's up, crew? Question on the naming rights. Even though Coors has their name on the Rocky Stadium, would they ever consider putting it on the Bronco Stadium? Or is there a conflict of interest with the NFL due to their contract with Bud Light? I'm sure Coors has enough cash flow to sponsor both stadiums. Oh, I'm sure they have the money. Yeah, I, I would assume there is a conflict there that the NFL wouldn't allow. Coors with Bush all over the inside because of the stadium. Because I'm pretty sure you have to sell Bud inside the stadium. Or Bud, yeah. Yeah, I think you do. So, and it's plastered everywhere. Not to mention Coors already has like the deal of a lifetime on Coors Field. And it gets taught like the name of that stadium might even get talked about more than anything because everyone talks about the Coors Field effect, like in national media. Right. No one talks about the mile high effect uh, in football. Right. I mean, they do, but they don't say the Sports Authority Field effect or whatever, the Invesco Field effect. They Man, just say mile high. That's a good point. So Coors isn't, isn't, wouldn't, there's no reason for them to do it. 
Yeah, no, and, and what one coming in from Sutton fourteen, Thomas eighty seven again. He says, "Is Edge at ten the real dark horse?" No, it can't be. It can't be. I'm not saying it's not a position that they need. They don't need to add anything, but you can't keep investing the top picks in the same place. You can't. You have to spread the wealth out. And you said Montez Sweat earlier. Yes. And I could, uh, and I was just kind of making the case for how it could possibly make sense. Okay. I don't really want to do to Demar do to Bradley Chubb what I did to Demarcus Walker, which was make him play a position that he was kind of out of position as a rookie, <laughs> then put him back there, and now he feels out of position again. Yeah, don't do that. You're fine there. Add someone later. Right, or just go get Aaron Lynch. Yeah, and you're fine. Yep. Like Jeff Holland, I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but he can be a depth piece. He can be your fourth outside linebacker. Let's say they don't add anyone until an undrafted guy. How do you feel about that outside linebacker group? Uh, not great. I I just need some depth. Really? I just need some depth. I feel great, even if there's no depth. You but got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Touch wood. What if one guy goes down? You're hosed anyways, unless you're getting a guy in the first round this year. I don't think a fifth-round guy is going to make you feel better about that group or great about that group if one of those guys goes down. Aaron Lynch would make me feel good about it. Not great, but I'm like, okay, well, they can still sustain. Really? Because I, I don't think he's as good as either Shaq or Shane last year, and if Shaq or Shane went down, you got a problem. I'd say from a consistency standpoint, he's on the on par with Shaq Barrett. Why haven't they signed him up? I don't know. Money? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but I think you're hosed if Vaughn or Chubb go down. Fair enough. From Drop Switch, holla. Do not go to Starbucks. <laughs> they help steal the Sonics from Seattle, and their coffee always tastes burnt. Now that we have the Godfather, does this mean the Broncos chef will be cooking Italian food for the team? What sort of breakfast person do you think L.A. and Fangio are? You guys rock. I hope they're like croissants, guys. You know, just give me 15 croissants. Five of them chocolate filled, five of them plain, five of them some other delicious jam. First of all, on Starbucks, I hate their drip coffee. Burned? I think it's trash. Yeah. Uh, I don't like one thing about it. I've never had one roast of theirs that I like. Yeah. Their not espresso. A, not an unpopular take. Their espresso is better than everyone else. <laughs> Sorry. And how did it. I, I would feel like Starbucks would want the Sonics to have stayed in Seattle. Couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, was I'm, their coffee that bad? It just drew the the Sonics out of there. Maybe I I could I don't know anything about why the Sonics left. Um, I feel bad for Seattle fans, but it's, it was great for the MLS because now uh, people actually care about their uh, yep. MLS team. Yep. Also, they're gonna end up getting a hockey team out of that because I think of how much people saw the way they supported the MLS team. Are they? I think so. Wow. Um, okay, as for Italian food, I I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, as for breakfast for Elway and Fangio, Elway strikes me as a, a quick and light breakfast guy. Maybe an oatmeal. Um, maybe or a croissant. That's about as quick and light as you can get, literally. It is light, <laughs> weight-wise. Um, whereas Fangio strikes me as a just pure bacon and eggs guy. Mm. Every morning, two eggs. Sunny side up with bacon. It better be done the exact same way, too. Right. It's extra crispy. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. All right, it does. Finally, from Bleed Orange and Blue, I wonder if Fangio was wearing sweats in Arizona. 
It would be funny if he wears them even in warm weather. <laughs> My legs are sweating just thinking about that. I think yesterday he went with khakis and a blue polo shirt. I know for that that he was wearing a similar thing for the photo the day before with tennis shoes. I've been told this is deep inside info. Wow. That he actually has been wearing like khakis most days at, at the uh, facility. Wow, he's taking the uh, the the position and running with it. I think he it makes him feel more more you know head coachy. Do you think Do you think people ran with the sweats too much? And he's like, okay, I gotta backtrack on this. I can't just be like known as the sweat guy. Right, or like his mom or his girlfriend <laughs> called. <and they're> like, <laughs> I don't like. Come on, you got to present yourself a little bit better. Or living in Chicago, maybe he just couldn't have afforded khakis as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> Sometimes though, you just have to dress the part. Like, f- kind of a funny story. Brandon Spano, when he started BSN, just wore a suit every day, um, just because he was trying to like. He had to like get himself into the mindset of a CEO, right? And so he's like, "I'm gonna wear a suit every day." Now, we are also a t-shirt company, which is pretty <laughs> nice. And everyone can just wear t-shirts every day. Yeah, that is that is a great perk. The only thing with that, though, is not with the Brandon, is Bill Belichick, I feel like, only wears sweats. Yeah, but he's past that. So you got to establish it. So you want everyone to look at you and not think like, oh, that's just another coach. You want them to be like, oh, that's the coach. Right. You think people in the building know who Bill is? Yes. Okay. I think, and, and obviously everyone knows who Fangio is, but it's just like a different... Right. way of ap- of appearing with so you for me if i was the head coach every day i would wear a a golf shirt like a broncos golf shirt and then what you know sh- either shorts with that or or you know kind of a golf style pants i'd probably go the exact same outfit maybe just shorts exclusively though yeah i mean tennis shoes right like some sick nikes yeah because you have a Nike contract. <laughs> yeah. And you got a room full of them. And I would probably be playing golf <laughs> every morning before I came into the uh, facility. Oh, John would hire you then. You know what I heard the other day, um, which is interesting, is that some assistant coaches are really going to resent the fact that Vic likes to stay at the uh, facility so late. Yep. Because there's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't get to leave before the head coach does. Yep. And so if he's there until midnight... Everyone else is just going to be like looking around, like, has he gone yet? And he doesn't. He doesn't have kids. His girlfriend doesn't live here. Uh, he lives in a hotel not too far from the Broncos facility. He's got nowhere to go. And I was thinking, like, eventually he'll buy a house. But then I was thinking, like, why would he? Like you just said, he's not hosting anyone else. In this case, he doesn't even have to clean up after himself. <laughs> So, really, the only thing that makes sense to me is moving into the facility. But if that's not an option, <laughs> if that's not an option, he might as well just stay at the hotel. Yeah, my guess is he'll probably move into an apartment that has the same amenities. Is there apartments that have uh, housekeepers in the apartment? I don't know about housekeepers, but what you you get uh, you pay a maid to come once every other day or something. That's true. You could just employ your own maid. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I think he just. I think he's gonna stay in the hotel. I've heard of people do like a lot of people doing that. Really? Actually, um, there was a uh, broadcaster who worked for the Rockies who didn't live in Denver, and since they traveled so much, he had no reason to have a house in Denver. So he just stayed in a hotel in Denver, and when they went on road, stayed in a hotel there. Wow. Where was his home? Did he not have a home base? His home base was it just somewhere else? Was in a different state. Wow. 
So did he pay for the hotel in Denver? No, I'm pretty sure the, the company paid oh for it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's a sweet gig. He's I got I, that written into his contract. Man, especially if you do have a home base somewhere else, I could live in a hotel like that. I don't even see one possible downside of it. No. What's the difference between my apartment and a hotel room other than a maid cleans up after me and there's like a bunch of amenities, <laughs> like a restaurant downstairs <laughs> exactly. and a bar and all sorts exactly. of stuff. Exactly. People aren't bringing food up to your room just if you order it from your apartment and if you know you're going to be there all year like you could decorate i guess that's the one thing like, <laughs> i take a lot of pride in the decorations at my house but but if you're not having people over like i mean I, I know you probably enjoy being surrounded by your your amenities that you put in your own apartment but if you're not having people over could you live without it i could definitely live without it especially if i was living on my own right that's the biggest thing what, yeah, I mean, you might get tired of looking at like the ugly, weird painting that they put on the walls and in, in the uh, hotel, but you you might be able to just switch it out. Maybe you just stay at a nice enough hotel where it's not ugly. It's like a uh, it's a Monet or something. Well, that's what he was doing. He was also like a couple blocks away from Coors Field, mm. so it was like the perfect scenario. That sounds amazing. Yeah, sign me up. Got a hot tub, <laughs> all sorts of good stuff. Wow. All right. Well, that. I believe does it. We have any buzzer beaters? Let's I'll check. Let you check. Here we go. Reload it. Any game winning shots? And uh, yes, oh, we do. Good thing we checked. In Coming in March from Madness. Bronco Duck. He says, pure hypothetical. Would you rather have Hold coach? Hold on. Bronco Duck isn't allowed to ask questions anymore after his cereal <laughs> take. This is a hypothetical. Maybe okay. it's about cereal. We don't know. Would you rather have coach Fangio, Joe Flacco, and Devin White or... Coach Zach Taylor, Kyler Murray, slash Dwayne Haskins. Say it again one more time. So Fangio, Flacco, and Devin White. Or Zach Taylor is your head coach, and Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins. Come on. <laughs> you're going You're going, you, Kyler. You know where I'm going. You're going, I'm Kyler. taking Kyler Murray 10 times out of 10. I could name any coach yes, to pair with Kyler. Vance Joseph, Kyler Murray, taking it. <laughs> Hugh Jackson. Yep. Wow. All right. Your team's only as good as your quarterback. Uh, that's true. And I think Kyler Murray is generational. Yep. He says he'd rather take the former. The the Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, everyone knows my love of Kyler Murray. So, like, I'm not, I'm not going to waver on that. Man, if you get the better one of Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, that's what you do. Because, like you said, quarterback, it doesn't matter how good Devin White is would be on that defensive side of the ball or how good Fangio is. If you got the quarterback, you got it all. Exactly. And then Zach Taylor's a great head coach, even though you don't know that, but your quarterback looks good, so it's going to make Zach look good. Right, yeah. I mean, how many how many quarterbacks have just carried coaches yeah. for years? You know who wasn't able to? Who? Aaron Rodgers. He did. Just, he, car just, he carried him for, what, 12 years? He's just not very good, man. Get out of here. <laughs> he, he made... He, made a an average coach keep his job for a very long time <laughs> wasn't good enough for it to, to let him hang on to it though nope eventually all things must come to an end <laughs> like they this pod they only got one uh, championship and exactly just like this pod all good things or average things or bad things must eventually come to an end and so we're gonna wrap up today thank you guys for tuning in and like i said go vote for bsn rockies in that poll you can find it at the bsn broncos account or just find it at the bsn rockies account at bsn broncos at bsn rockies for zach stevens i almost said zach taylor <laughs> it'd be okay too. Well, you can find at zach bs zach stevens bsn i'm ryan konigsberg you can find me at ryan konigsberg and if you can't figure out how to spell that 
You're just going to miss out on my good tweets. Have a good day. BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Did you always win? Say